Hi and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Well, praise God. God's good. Amen. We want to give you the opportunity to give this morning. Um, if the ushers could please help me. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Praise the Lord. You give in cash, make it out to Destiny Church. If you need an offering envelope, one of these ushers be glad to give you an offering envelope. Praise God. So good to have some warm weather. Amen. You guys should say amen a lot louder than that. Ah, yeah. It's like cra crazy winter. It's like somebody pushed the crazy button on this winter. But uh, my wife and I were gone a couple weeks in January, hoping that we would miss the worst of it. And January was actually a pretty good month. And February turned out to be like, what happened? Anyway, so we were, um, anyways, we got to enjoy it. It's so funny, we've had Mitch, we, he preached last Sunday, and we've had him all week, and he has never seen snow ever in his whole life. So you can imagine, he's like, he's like, what? He keeps put, he keeps putting his foot in the snow, and what is what is this? He get, it's kind of like manna. What is it? So it's pretty funny watching Mitch's reaction to everything. And cold, the coldest it gets where he's from is like 60 Fahrenheit above, and so that's the coldest it ever gets. And so and it's usually like around 80 or 90. Uh, very humid. So he comes here and he's like, he can't even believe that we, we, we actually can exist here. It's like, how do you make it? And I said, I don't know. We, and uh, so uh, we, we took him actually, Jeremy took him out snowmobiling and uh, he was like, you should, it was, everything has been quite an experience for him. His, his mouth's going pretty fast. But, huh? Yeah, he kept going. Jeremy goes, I'm going to take you out on the lake, snowmobile. He goes, I can't swim. <laughs> I said, you live on an island for Pete's sakes. How can you not swim? But anyway, so, but I said, I think you're safe. I don't think it's going to fall in. But anyways, it's pretty funny. So uh, stupid how you couldn't all hear his reaction to everything. But anyways, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Cool Runnings. So it's kind of like that. It's like, oh, what's that? <laughs> so. Anyways, um, let's, let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give. Lord, we're so grateful for everything you've done for us. You are so good to us. We're so grateful for that, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you will uh, receive our offerings, Lord. We give with a willing heart. And Lord, you said that if, we're, if our heart is willing, that the gift is accepted. And Lord, we just give willingly, Lord. We know our gift is accepted. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass the offering buckets. Uh, I think next Sunday night um, at uh, 5.30, we have um, a, uh, another worship night. We had one, um, I think it was last Sunday. I kind of lose track of time. I think it was last Sunday we had a worship night. So it starts at 5.30. That's on Sunday. So please uh, put that on your calendar and make sure you come out. Uh, the night is basically focused on worship. It's not like a regular service. We just worship, and we do have some exhortation and stuff, but it's basically focused on worship. Are you all ready? Well, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. During our worship night last 
Sunday, I felt like God gave me a, a, like a revelation. And uh, I don't know, I hope this comes across real good, but it's actually on worship. The revelation was on worship. And um, because all of us here in this place, uh, we want situations to change. And maybe we even want ourselves to change. I don't know if you guys are in that situation where you get frustrated with yourself, maybe about some things. And, uh, and then, of course, we all face situations that we want changed. And some of them are, are urgent. They're serious situations. And we really need a change. Sometimes we call it a breakthrough. And uh, I just want to, I title this message, The Key to Real Change, and then I put the word worship. The key to real change is the word worship. And when we think about worship, we, we think about what we just did. We sang some songs, raised our hands, some of us raised our hands. Uh, we sang some meaningful songs, maybe vocalized some, some words of, of adoration or praise to God. But let me just say this to you, that singing is not necessarily worship. Just because you sing, it does not necessarily mean that you worship. Worship is actually something it's a valuation that we make with our heart. In other words, we deem something is worthy, therefore we worship. Singing can be a way that we express that to God, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're worshiping. You know, there's a verse in Matthew chapter 15 where Jesus said about the people of that day, he said, these people honor me with their words for their hearts are also very but their hearts are very also distant from me. Let me try that one more time. I'm reading a different translation. I know these verses in the King James. Let me try it one more time. These people honor me only with their words. There it goes. For their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than empty traditions of men. So in other words, what he's saying is that they would mouth it, but their heart really wasn't in it. They would say it. They would maybe even sing the songs but their heart was not really in it. Their heart was not engaged. I think all of us know the difference between when we say something, our heart's not engaged, and when we say something, our heart is engaged. I think we all know the difference. And so the thing about the day that Jesus lived is that the people were very religious, far more religious probably than most of us as far as external actions. But the thing that Jesus complained about is that their heart was not engaged. Their heart wasn't in it. And so it's always a valuation thing. It's always a valuation thing. But I believe that worship is the key to change both our, in ourselves and also in our situations. Amen. And so um, what happens oftentimes is when we worship is we behold something. We behold like the glory of the Lord. We behold the beauty of the Lord. And the Bible says that as we do that, we are changed. You know, it's interesting what you behold changes you. What you look at, what you, what you value changes you, causes your heart to change. And so worship is a value estimate. I worship what I esteem worthy of my devotion. In other words, if I consider something wor uh, of high value, and like I said, it's an internal thing. If I consider it of high value, then I, I, am, more I am more apt to worship. Amen? And so it's very important. Now I want to read a story in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 15. And many of us have heard this story. But let's look at this again and uh, get some points from here. It says, Jesus went out. This is verse 21. 
went out from there, this few verses, we'll read a few verses, and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Anytime you see the Bible says, Son of David, it's very important that the person that's saying that recognized who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not set, sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him. Everybody say, worshipped him. <laughs> saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done unto you as you desired. And her daughter was healed that very hour. So here's a very strange story. This woman was, uh, she was a Canaanite. Some translations actually use the word Canaanite. So that means she was from that area. And she was somebody that the Israelites, if you read the Old Testament, she was somebody that the Israelites were supposed to drive out of the land. And, uh, and so she was there. Basically, you know, they, you know, she wasn't supposed to be there as far as God's decree. You know, they, they were supposed to drive all Canaanites out. And so this woman was actually unqualified. She was, she was a, a trespasser, you could say, a, an illegal uh, foreigner in the land of Canaan. And she was also, in that day, women did not have the status that they have in this society. One thing about Canaan, Canaanites is that they were, a lot of them were idolaters. They were idol worshipers. And that could be one of the reasons why her daughter was demonized, is because she had been involved in some kind of uh, idol worship. Because a lot of times, idol, idol worship, there's a lot of demonic activity. And so she could have opened up her soul and her family to demonic activity, and her daughter suffered because of it. And so Jesus had, had a ministry focus. He said, I'm not sent. So when, you know, this, finally, there's, she, he wasn't saying a word. Can you imagine that? I mean, she's going, help me. I don't know. We don't know how long she followed him around, but she kept saying, help me. Deliver my daughter. And how many know that on her, in her mind, this is an urgent need? I mean, this is huge. Your daughter is in a terrible, terrible situation. Horrible situation. It's horrible. And the need is very urgent. And we are the type of people that when we think about Jesus, we always think about somebody who meets people's needs, somebody who has compassion. And so he comes to her, or he, she comes to him and says, my daughter is in a terrible situation. Help me. I mean, she's very intent, very urgent. But Jesus, untypical of him, he ignores, totally ignores her and won't answer her. Finally, he doesn't respond until the disciples say something to him. He goes, she is driving us crazy. Send her away. In other words, just tell her to get out of here. And then he says, I'm not sent to the, law, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here's, when he does speak, now you know what he's thinking. He's thinking, I'm not sent to her. I'm not, I mean, she's not the focus of my ministry. I'm not sent. So she gets more bad news. I mean, she has... Jesus ignoring her and won't even answer her. And then the only time Jesus speaks is when the disciples say, all the disciples are going, get out. You know, they want her out of there. So she gets more bad news. 
And then he says, I'm not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So basically he's saying, you're not going to find any help here. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're in need and that's how you feel. You're not going to find any help here. I mean, maybe you prayed, you tried and did all this stuff and you feel like I'm not getting any help here. But then she came and it's very clear. She came and she worshiped. She came and worshiped and said, Lord, help me. Isn't that amazing? And then he turned and he addressed her. And he said, it's not good to give the children's bread to dogs. I mean, I don't know. You read it. I said this one time. He called her a dog. And somebody came up to me and said, he didn't call her a dog. Well, it sounds like he did. Doesn't it? I mean, it kind of sounds that way. He said, it's not good to give the children's bread to dogs. He goes, she goes, true, but the dogs get crumbs, which is a true statement. I mean, if you leave the room and you have a dog and you just ate, the dog will finish what's left. You know, I have a funny story. Carter told me this story one time. He goes, they were having a small group meeting, and, uh, and they were having a dinner. At, it was at somebody else's house. And so the lady, she, she had cooked a meal. And so she came out, and she was kind of telling everybody, she's kind of telling everybody, we're going to have roast beef and potatoes or whatever. She's kind of telling them we're going to have a little Bible study, whatever. And so while she's talking, all of a sudden the dog comes running through the room with the roast beef in her mouth. And so as the dog runs by with the roast beef in his mouth, she goes, I guess we're not having roast beef. <laughs> and so she says, dogs eat from crumbs. And he goes, go your way. I mean, here's a woman that is unqualified. She's not got any rights or privileges. She's not even the focus of Jesus' ministry. But she gets the answer to her, to her, uh, to her need based on one thing, and that is the whole situation turned with one act, and that is worship. With one act, and that is worship. The whole situation turned with one act, and that is worship. And I was thinking about that last Sunday, and that Sunday night, and that story came to my mind, and I thought, I thought, what is it, what is the deep thing about worship? Because we think often that God is moved by human need. And I'm not saying that God isn't concerned about people. He is. He's very concerned about people. I mean, he proved that by sending Jesus Christ to die for everybody. Isn't that true? So you can't say that Jesus doesn't care or God doesn't care about human suffering. He does. He cares very deeply. But here's a, here's a, here's a lie that, that the human race has been captured by for years and the lie is this. Now, listen very carefully. If you can write, take notes, take this note. The lie is this, that there is life. This is a lie now. There is life apart from, apart from God. That life can be found in people, places, or things. That's a lie. I tell, I tell people this all the time. People, places, and things are gifts in life. God gives us many wonderful gifts because he's a good God and he wants us to have gifts. But life is only found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way, because Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of life. And so what happens is when this woman came to Jesus, she has a terrible problem in her life. This is a terrible problem. It's horrible. She's living with a demon-possessed daughter. It doesn't really tell you how she was acting up, but 
It was bad. It was really bad. And so obviously she's thinking that if I could get this problem solved, suddenly my life would take on meaning or maybe I would have this, I would have a great life. But the lie, that is the lie. Just because right now, if you're facing something in your life that is terrible, I mean, horrible, and I have had that happen to me, terrible situation that you're facing that's terrible. If that situation was rectified tonight or today, it still wouldn't cause your life to be filled with meaning and purpose. I'm just letting that sink in on you. And for you to think that, for you to think that, even though I believe God wants to bless us, I mean, if you hear me preach, you know I'm big on that. I believe God wants to bless us, but the source of life is only found in a relationship with Jesus. You know, I, a few months ago, I had this terrible, um, I had this terrible attack physically, sick. I was terribly sick. And some of you saw me, and I, some of you had the graciousness to tell me I looked terrible. <laughs> I had one guy come up to me and say, what's up with you? I go, well, what do you mean? You look terrible. I Thank you very much. It really encourages me. Praise the Lord. But, uh, but really, I was struggling physically. And of course, I'm praying, God, you know, heal me. God, heal me. You know, I'm, I'm praying that. Confessing Bible verses, confessing, making right confessions. And I'm not getting any better. In fact, I think I told you this one day I was laying there on the bed. I'm thinking, you know what? This is what it feels like to die. I thought I was dying. I thought I was going to go to the doctor. I did go to the doctor. He's doing tests. I thought he's going to tell me, you got some horrible disease. You are going to die. You got, that's what I was thinking because I was thinking I'm going to die. And uh, so one day I was, I was sitting there in the house and I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, Lord, you know, I'm here and you certainly know what I'm going through and I'm your boy. Right? Do you ever say that? I'm your boy. I'm your, or if you're a girl, I'm your girl. And you know what I'm going through. And so it's still like there's nothing. And so this thought came to my mind is that there is a prayer, a praise cure. And uh, so I started walking around the house. I was there, I was there alone. And I was, it was hard to walk because I was pretty weak. And my voice, if you guys remember hearing my voice, it sounded like, it would wobble, and it was like somebody, I was like an old person that you talk to sometimes that their voice wobbles. That's how my voice was. It was horrible. And so I, I started to praise and give thanks. I walked around the house for about 20, at least 20 minutes, and I lifted up my wobbling voice, and I started to praise, and, and I started to focus not on what I, my sickness, not on that sickness, but I started to focus on God and the goodness of God and have this attitude of abandonment. Have this attitude of abandonment. It doesn't matter if everything works out. One thing that does matter, I still got you, Jesus. I still got you, Lord, and you're the source of life. I mean, if there is no life apart from you, but if I'm with you, I got life, and I have meaning in life, and I have purpose in life because I have you. And so I just started lifting my voice up after about 20 20. 20, 25 minutes, all of a sudden my voice broke. When I say that, I don't mean I started crying. I mean my voice, the, the thing that had been over my vocal cords and my voice broke and I started to have intermittent, strong voice, crackly voice, strong voice, crackly voice, and suddenly there was an immediate change. 
See, what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we get so, you know, we are Christians and we get so caught up in the idea that we want to be blessed and we do want to be blessed and we are blessed, but we lose sight of the fact that that blessing, if it, when it comes or if it comes, is not an end in itself. That the only thing that's really, really, really important is having a relationship with God through Jesus. Amen? Because most of the things that we pray about, not everything, but most of the things we pray about when we die, it's not going to matter anyways. I mean, when you're praying about people, of course, that matters after you die because, of course, they're going to meet you if, you know, they might meet you in heaven. But I mean, I'm just talking about a lot of the natural things that we talk about, we pray about. I mean, they're, they're not going to, you don't take them with you anyways. And so it doesn't matter. What matters most is, is relationship with Jesus and having, receiving life from him. And so that's what this woman did. Think about this for a second. She had this great need, and it was a big one. But she didn't get a response until she came and worshipped. In other words, it wasn't just the act of worship. It was an evaluation thing where she placed upon him incredible value. And that's something that we have to do continually. We have to place upon him incredible value. Amen? And so the situation changed because of worship. I think you should tell your neighbor that. The situation changed because of worship. So, so worship is tied to change. Worship is tied to change. Amen. And so if we, if we, and this is both negatively and positively, if you worship the wrong thing, because that's possible, because all of us are made to worship. Some people go, well, I don't really worship. No, you do. I don't go to church. I don't worship. No, no, you worship. Everybody worships. Everybody in this room worships. Everybody in the, on the earth worships. Everybody worships. Let me look at another verse here. But sometimes if you worship the wrong thing, you ch are changed into the wrong thing. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And then also verse 25. It says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. The word glorify means to praise or to magnify, to honor, to worship, to ascribe honor to. That's what the word glorify means. It means to praise to magnify, to honor, to worship. That's what glorify means. So you could basically say, it says they knew God, they did not worship him as God. They did not worship, they did not honor, they did not value, did not worship. And, and so what happened was, it says, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, in their foolish, in other words, they changed. Their thoughts became futile, their foolish heart became darkened. They professed to be wise. They became fools. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Not a lie, but the lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so here, notice it says that they worshiped the wrong thing. They, we all worship. They worshiped the wrong thing. So what happened was they changed. They became fools. They became dark in their understanding. When we truly worship, what happens is uh, our perspective changes and we get, begin to see clearly. When we truly worship, our perspective changes 
and we start seeing things clearly. Amen. So when we, we worship the wrong thing, our hearts and minds become darkened, and we think we're wise, but we're actually fools. And so it's so important that we worship and resist the lie. Because, you know, Satan, when he came to Jesus, you'll find that worship is an issue throughout the Bible. The temptation Satan made to Jesus, he said, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all this. And Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And so Satan desires worship. And so every time I worship God, and I really value God and really worship him, I'm resisting that lie. I'm saying that lie has no power over my life. That, pow- that lie has no power over me. I'm not, I'm not uh, accepting that lie into my life. Because that lie is something that has captured the whole world, and they look for life in all the wrong places. I mean, if you ask somebody, what's the, whole, what's the, what's the, the ultimate life? What's the ultimate life? They'll probably say wearing a white uniform, not uniform, but a white leisure suit, sitting on a beach somewhere with a, you know, maybe a martini if, if you drink, if you don't drink, uh, lemonade, and sitting there in the sun and just, ah, oh, the good life. And this is in itself an end. This is in itself life. That's what, that's what all the advertisement now. I mean, come, and, come to our resort. This will be you. And they, they want to transpire your face on the person that's walking there. And you don't even look like the person in white. I go, I wish I looked like that, but I don't look like that. Almost nobody I know looks like that. You know what I mean? That's what you think. But, but my point is, is they want to say that if I could have this, I could have life. Now, I'm not against vacations, but I'm just saying it's a lie to think that those things produce life when really Jesus is the source of life. Amen? This is actually the lie that the enemy sold Eve in the beginning. He got Eve to look at that tree. Now, that tree represented, that tree represented a, a separation between her and God. But she kept staring at the tree. She saw, this is good. This will make me wise. And so she ate it. And she accepted that lie and she fell. And she was corrupted. And Adam was corrupted also. But it was basically a lie that you can find something apart from God that will bring meaning and satisfaction into your life. And you can't. There's just no way. Everything else Everything else is, 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 the sor- is, a, is a gift of life. It's not the source. Does that make sense to you guys? That's why every time I worship, what I'm doing is I'm redirecting my attention or my affection at the source. Amen? I'm directing my affection and my attention at the source. And so when I'm truly worshiping, I'm resisting the lie. I am doing the thing that Satan desires, but he's not getting it from me at least. He wants worship, but he's not getting it from me. And he might, you say, well, I don't worship Satan. But you can worship indirectly by accepting his philosophies, his ideas, and living your life by valuing things that are not the source of life. You actually, in a sense, give him attention indirectly. And so people, places, and things becomes the focus instead of God and the things that we worship. Amen? So that's what this woman did. She, she was focused on this need, which it was a great need. 
but she got no response until she changed her perspective and she began to worship. So let me just say, as I conclude here, I'm almost done. You guys still with me? Are you guys, are you guys feeling bad about this? Like, is it like, is this one of these, oh no, like, uh-oh. I'm getting kicked in the butt again, you know. So nowhere is this deception more and this lie more evident than around money. I'm just, it's, not, it's not that I don't have anything else to say. I'm just pausing. I mean, it's true. But nowhere, because money, you know, money in itself is a neutral thing. I mean, it's, there's, no, there's nothing about money. If you have some money sitting here, it's not going to grab you and do something to you. It's neutral. It's just whatever. It's just there. It's neutral. It's not money. It's our attitude about it. And there's a lot of false, false ideas about money. One of the false ideas is that it can give us a sense of value and a sense of our own importance. That's not real. Have you ever seen these people that walk around, you know, they got all this money? I remember one time I got in a lot of trouble because I, um, it was interesting to me that, you know, everybody, remember when Diane, uh, Princess Diane died? How many remember that? And it, I mean, it was, it was terrible. I mean, it was a horrible situation. Do you know who else died that week? Mother Teresa died that week. Do you know when, when Princess Diana died, it says that her funeral was watched by like a billion people or something. And you, the outflowing of attention and everything was amazing. And it was tragic. Don't misunderstand me, but just get, get it straight. That Princess Diana, she, she was a pretty messed up person. I know that might make you mad, but it's the truth. She took drugs. I mean, she was living immoral, immorally. I mean, she had a lot of things that happened to her. I understand that. But you compare her with Mother Teresa, and it's hardly even her funeral and her situation was hardly a bleep on the screen. But she had money. Diana had money and power and influence. And so people were attracted to that. And Mother Teresa was this little nun that worked in the, in the streets of Calcutta taking kids out of garbage dumps and either holding them until they died or nursing them back to health and raising them in her orphanage. And all the world mourned Diana's death, but hardly anybody mourned the death of Mother Teresa. Because in our thinking, she was significant. Diana was significant because she had money, she had prestige, she had influence. And so we mourned her death. And that's one thing that money does. It, it deceives us. It thinks that we have a sense of value and a sense of our own importance, it, does, it, 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 it gives us that false impression. You guys look stunned. I know you're looking at me like, I can't believe you said something bad about Diana. I mean, God loved her, and I don't know where she is in heaven. I don't know where she is. I mean, it's up to God. I'm not the judge. But, but that's the thing that money can do. Money can give us a false sense of security. We think that we have money. How many of that rich people die all the time? But it can give us a false sense, I'm okay. Why? Because I got money. I have a false sense of security. It can give us an independence. I don't need anybody. I'm, I got it made. Take your ease. 
eat, drink, and be merry. There's a self-sufficiency that money brings. Money can give us a false sense of purpose, that if I have a lot of money, that is a purpose in, its, in itself. If I can achieve, if I could have $5 million when I retire, I'll be okay. <laughs> I know some of you look at $5 million, would take that. Well, I'm just looking out for inflation. You, 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 but, but that's how people think. They think if I could have this much money, I'll be okay. I'm all right. But it's a false sense of purpose. Money gives us a false sense of well-being. It can give us a false sense of meaning. Amen. And that's why in Matthew chapter 6, where we conclude here today, listen to these verses. This is read out of the Passion Translation. In verse 21, Jesus said, For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. See, in other words, what you value your heart will pursue it. Right now, whatever you value, your heart's going to pursue it. So if I value the things of God and the purpose of God, my heart will pursue it. But if I value money, my heart will pursue that. Does that make sense? And this is not a little thing. This is a huge thing. This is major, mega. This is gigantic. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, this is the, this is the passion translation. If, if, your, if your heart or your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You'll either have to hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. You know, one of the ways that you can tell your attitude about money is if you're willing to let it go. See, if I value it highly, I'm not letting it go. I mean, just think about something. Have you ever given something away? And it meant a lot to you. I remember I was giving people, I give people stuff all the time. And this means a lot to you. You gave it to them. They look at it and they just kind of left it somewhere. He's like, hey, 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 what are we doing here? Put this in a safe place. Because it's clear that they didn't value it like you did. You know, this is very important to me. You know, I remember one time I gave this guy some money. And he just kind of acted like, eh, no big deal. I'm just like, you know, I mean, you know, Hamilton, when he left Hamilton, it, it, it was sad. It was a sad day. I think Hamilton's on the $100 bill, right? You go, I haven't seen $100 bills for the long. I don't know who's on there, but. Oh, Franklin. Oh. I can't remember. Who's, on the, who's Hamilton on? $10 bill, okay. <laughs> so now you know what I've been looking at. Frank, okay, so Franklin. When Franklin left, it was a sad day, you know. And they just act like, you know, it's no big deal. And so my point is what you value, it's hard to, depart, it's hard to turn away from. And that's why when you, think about, when you think about God, we're talking about worship here, 
when you think about God, can I surrender that which is the most important to me? See, that's one thing about why Abraham ended up at such a high point was you, you got to know the most important thing to Abraham was his son. I mean, come on. I mean, not only because it was his son, but it was the son that he believed God for, for 25 years to have that son, Isaac. And one day God says, offer Isaac on the altar. And it's like, what? I mean, we're talking about, what was the, who's on the hundred again? Franklin. We're talking about Franklin, offering Franklin on the altar. And people are like, well, I don't know. I mean, this is offer Isaac on the altar. And so, you know what? It says he rose up early and he took off. I mean, it doesn't say that he, well, he had to fast about it. You know, he, and I'm not, you know, I mean, he just, he just took off, went up to the mountain, went through the very act, and God stopped him. Said, so now I know you're withholding nothing. In other words, now I know that I'm the most important thing to you because you responded to my voice. How many can see that? And that's real worship. That's real worship when, even though we all have needs, we all have things that need to be changed. But when I can say about all those needs that I have, even if I had all these needs met, if I don't have you, I have nothing. And if I have you, I have everything. And I'm content with you, but I would like to have this need met. But even if I don't have this need met, I'm still content with you. That's what worship is all about, because what it is, the very basis of worship is worth. Amen, it's worth. Does that make sense? Let's have the worship team come up here. And so let's, let's talk, let's, let's take a moment, let's just worship. And uh, let's have it as a value thing, just for a few minutes here. Let's have it as a value thing. Let's place incredible value on it. Let's all stand together. You know, it's interesting. Some people say in, in Romans chapter 1 where it talks about worship, one of the things that it tells us is that God can his God can be clearly seen. God can be clearly seen. Have you ever um, have you ever talked to people and they say, Well, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if there is a God. He says, God can be clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. So I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know, you should, you should look at things that are unbelievable, like in, in creation, things that are made. You know, they say that, uh, what was that guy that, um, Darwin, who, you know, believed in evolution, believed that everything was just kind of a natural process of the weak survive, or the strong survive. But he said, he would say that the human eyeball would make his eyes, make his knees grow weak. But he'd think about the human eyeball. I mean, think about the human eyeball. It's pretty amazing. And what, what happened was 
The more they discovered things about human anatomy, the more amazed they are. They were amazed before, but the more they discover, the more amazed they are. And the more mystified they are about some things. How does that even work? And so when he says, when they don't worship, he said they're without excuse because they understand the existence of God by the things that are made. The things that are made. The things that are made should cause us to go, wow. Be in awe, be in awe, be in wonder. Wow, that's amazing. And even the fact that, you know, sometimes we focus on the bad things that have happened in our lives and not look at, you know what, there's a lot of amazing things that have happened in our life. Amazing. Sure, we've had some bad things. We've had some bumps along the way. But there are some amazing things that have happened in all of our lives. How many, how many know that's true? You got We survived the winter, for Pete's sake. I mean, it's amazing things that happen. And all you have to do is start to focus on the amazing things and not let that one thing or that two thing or that three thing that is negative just sour your whole perspective. This is amazing. Thank you, God. You pulled us through. Thank you, God. You did this. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing. Being understood by the things that are made, even his power and God, Godhead, his eternal reality. So let's just sing this song. Do you have a song we can sing to worship? Let's just sing this song and let's really worship.
give you praise and all of the honor. You are our God, the one we live for. We give you praise and all of the glory, God. And we give you praise and all of the honor. You are our God, the one we live for. We give you praise. And all of the glory, God. All of the glory. We give it to you, Lord. All of the glory. Yeah. All of the glory. It's all to you, Lord. It's all to you, Lord. All of time we give we give you praise and all of the honor you are our god the one we live for we give you praise and all of the glory god and we give you praise and all of the honor you are our god the one we live for we give you praise and all of the glory, God. Thank you, Lord. As we were worshiping, I, I was just thinking about the story that was read about the woman who began to worship Jesus. And what I felt like God was saying to me and to us this morning is that there's situations in our life, every one of us has situations that we're going through, have gone through. And what I felt like God said is, it's your decision, it's my decision. It's your decision and it's my decision how we respond. It was her decision. Whether she was the one that brought that, that demon-possessed spirit upon her daughter, whatever, whether it was the moms or whatever, it was the mom's decision to worship Jesus. So I want, I want you to think about the situation in your life that maybe you're struggling with. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault. But you have a decision to make. Are you going to respond in thanksgiving and praise? Or are you going to continue to stand in that situation and complain and go, poor me? It might not be your fault. That's not the point. The point is, how are you going to respond? That's your decision. And I'm not saying it's an easy decision. But the decision to be thankful for what the Lord has done, the decision to be thankful for what he's going to do before he does it, that is your response. That is my response. Nobody else can make that decision for you. So I want to take like 30 seconds, and I want you to have that situation, that whatever it is, in mind, painful, or frustrating, it might make you angry, but I want, I want to give us an opportunity to, to, to have that in mind. And maybe you've complained again and again over it, but I want you to, if you will, that's your decision, I want us to take a time to be thankful. Lord, this, excuse my French, this sucks. 
This is horrible. But I'm going to thank you in the midst of it. I'm going to thank you in the midst of it. That's your decision. That's my decision. Okay? So if you want to, we're going to take 30 seconds. I want you to stand in the midst of that situation, maybe in your mind, in your heart. And I want you to choose, if you want to, to be thankful. That's what's going to change you. So, Lord, with these situations in in mind, God, we decide, we choose to be thankful that you're standing in the midst of it with us. God, that you are the God who doesn't forget. You are the God that stands in the midst of those situations with us. And God, whether it changes today, tomorrow, in months, in years, whatever, God, we choose to be thankful that you are the God who cares. God, you are the God who stands in the midst of the fire with us. So God, we put praise and thanksgiving on our lips now. Lord, we thank you that you are the God who is more than enough. You are the God of goodness, of faithfulness. You don't forget us. You don't forget us. And you aren't passive that you're standing with us. So we thank you, God. You are bigger. You are stronger. You are greater. You are mighty. So we thank you, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you are the God who sustains us. We give you praise. We give you thanksgiving, God. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And Lord, I declare over every person in this place this morning, and I declare that our hearts will shift this morning, that where there's been unthankfulness and ungratefulness, we declare that our hearts will shift and we'll respond in thankfulness. We'll respond in thanksgiving, in gratefulness, in praise, in worship. We declare our hearts will shift this morning. And we choose, we choose to thank you for your goodness. We choose to worship you in the midst. I declare situations to shift this morning in Jesus' name. I just release the miracle working power of God right now over and into every situation. God, those situations that seem impossible, God, we release your impossible working miracle power working in those situations today to shift them, to shift them in Jesus' name, to flip hearts, to change situations and the outcomes in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Man, man. Hey, something changed this morning. And it might have just been your heart, but that's enough. That's enough. That's where it starts. Amen? Wow. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, there's prayer counselors. If you guys want to come to the front, if you want additional prayer. And something's happening. Hey, if you guys, if you need to take off, you're, you're welcome to go. But if you want prayer, if you just want to hang out in the presence of God, I'd encourage you to do that. Don't leave before if God's doing something in you. Give it time. Let that thing marinate. Let him talk to you. And there's, uh, there's always food in the back, some snacks, so you're welcome to join us, stick around. But Lord, we just thank you for the rest of this week coming up. And God, we thank you for what you're doing. 
And it was what was spoken earlier about how you just desire relationship. Lord, I pray this week that we would we'd experience just that closeness with you. And God, I pray that you give us grace and the eyes to see just to push everything aside that's distracting, that we could just be with you. Just be with you and let you speak to us. Let you to just do some heart surgery this week. So we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are free to go. There's prayer. Hang out if you need to, and there's food in the back. Have a great week.